0: to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So, thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded, a re-release with one of my favorite human beings on the planet, Mr. Ron Baker. So Ron is a dear friend, a soul brother, and just one of the brightest souls I have ever met. I mean, this man, one has been a coach, a mentor, a guide, a light for thousands of people all over the world to access the depths of love within themselves. But he just carries this energy of complete safety. Like, I remember the first time I met Ron, you could just like feel how much he loved you and how much he just gave you the permission to be yourself. And I'm rereading his book right now, Bright Lights, Big Empty. And the book is a memoir in a lot of ways, but the concept that we talked a lot about on this episode when we recorded it and something that I'm very present to in my life right now is the idea of a soul curriculum, which is that. Although there are things that we do, there are choices we make, ultimately our souls come into this lifetime with a set of lessons that we're here to learn. And until we learn those lessons, we're going to continue experiencing the same levels of challenges, the same types of people, the same experiences. And that concept has been really present and something that I've been thinking about a lot. And just the idea of how am I creating my reality? If I identify myself to be a soul. As a soul, how am I actually calling in experiences to learn specific lessons? And the question I'm asking myself right now is, if I learn those lessons, what changes? Do I have a new curriculum? Do I continue learning new levels of the same books? I don't know. And I don't know if I'll ever know. But that is why I wanted to re-release this episode, because it's present for me right now, and I try to release episodes as they are present for me so that you guys can be along for the journey, so I hope you enjoy this. We talk about a lot of beautiful concepts, everything from what is a soul curriculum, what is self-care and what isn't, how to connect to your truth, how to claim and choose yourself in a big and beautiful way, and so much more. Ron truly is just such a gift to this world, to my life, and I'm very excited for all of you to get to know him a little bit better on this week's episode, so I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here is my dear friend, Mr. Ron Baker. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope everyone listening is having a blessed day so far. I am so grateful to have you back here. My brother, Ron, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you always. Whenever I bring friends or guests that were a part of the show early on in my journey, like it actually brings it like a full circle moment for me in some ways, because it's, I actually went back and was re-listening to our earlier conversation and it was was the, the first time I'd ever heard about the concept of an inner child. And I remember the first time I met you and your heart and the way you even hugged, and how long you held me when you hugged, and the way you you you, you hugged me heart to heart, which is the first time I ever had a heart-to-heart heart hug instead of just a regular hug, and now I'm reading your book, and now i'm I'm experiencing more and more of you, and I'm just so grateful to know you and to have you in my life and to to really experience your vulnerability. I mean, it it is remarkable the way you love and the way you inspire that love. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful to have you here, Ron. And I'm really excited to go deep into into
1: today's conversation. Well, if your goal was to make me cry right up front, (laughs) then you're successful, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you,
0: um, I mean, that's, 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 that's part of who you are though. It's, you know, it's, um, Like reading the book, I actually just dropped in, I dropped into my heart, like going through it because there's this mix of profound vulnerability and profound wisdom that can only be expressed by going deep within the self. And I can feel how much of your soul you accessed in writing this book. And that's, and I've always, and one of the things I've been really playing with recently is, you know, there's no book in the world that can match the book of the soul. And I'd love to maybe start there because one of the, the big ideas that really came through for me as I'm, I'm going through the book is the idea of the inner child, the adult, and then the soul, and how the soul sets us up for a curriculum when we're born. So can we, can we start there maybe and just unpack that idea? Because I think it's something that, that a lot of us, at least myself, when I read it, it was like, oh my God, it really resonated.
1: Yeah. So if you don't mind, just so listeners and viewers understand what we're talking about, the book is Bright Lights, Big Empty, A Journey of Profound Awakening. And I just got the copies about one hour before this interview. So I was thrilled to hold it up. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I would love to start there. Probably not surprising, you knowing me, from the time I was a little kid, I was thinking about, and you were probably the same, I was thinking about really big subjects. And I wanted to understand life and how it works. And we're talking six, seven, eight years old. I remember thinking thoughts like, life doesn't seem fair or loving as it has been presented to me. We get one lifetime. And wait a minute. This was me as a child. You're saying that some people just get a few days or months, and other people get over a hundred years. Some people are born with money, others are not. Some people have great intelligence, others struggle with that. I literally was so frustrated as a child trying to come up with, what is the reason? It makes no sense to me. And I swear to you, some deep part of me kept saying, there are deeper truths that you are waiting to find and grow into. It was like this weird calm that would come in. And I didn't know what it was, but I was going to follow that thing until I got to some deeper answers. Now, rather than sharing that whole journey at the moment, I'll just jump into, I'm so thrilled that what I was seeking was to understand that we're all on soul journeys and that the soul journey. Just think about all the subjects there are in life. Just think about all the facets of self. There is so dang much for us to learn and grow into and discover about self, just self, much less all the other facets of life. And like, I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be a performer and I wanted to be so many different things. Well, We only get one life. You got to make it It just made no sense. So I now understand that that inner inkling was coming from my soul. Mm. And it was like, just be patient, child. You are now in this curiosity because that has been seeded as part of your soul curriculum for this lifetime, in addition to a whole bunch of challenges. And so... Over time, I was able to gather from teachers, one main teacher, but many different teachers from lots of cultures around the world who already embrace the idea of soul journeys. And so it has become the most comforting idea that we get as many lifetimes as we need to grow through every single stage of our development. Now, all of a sudden, somebody having that particular challenge or another challenge was perfect for their growth, just like a first grader needs to face certain things and get used to that before they face other things and get used to that. And so, all of a sudden, life made sense. It was fair in a way. Now, nobody facing challenges thinks it's fair, but when we begin to understand that our challenges are there to point us in certain directions so that we will focus on those specific things in our lifetime, then it's exactly what we need to be working on. So anyway, as you know, I get excited and I'll just go off on 20 tangents. Well, but that was, There's a little bit.
0: No, well, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of at least myself, I can speak for myself when I realized I had a realization earlier in the year around how I feel like my soul wasn't actually put here to achieve an end goal. It was put here to expand. And that expansion happens in all directions, sometimes all at once, sometimes in stages, but it's, it doesn't follow a linear cycle. And that's why a relationship challenge might show up but the the common denominator is myself and that same challenge might manifest into work it might manifest into my relationship with my parents i mean there's so many elements right and 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 so the true journey is and the true work is the inner work and that's why like i love that when when you framed it as a curriculum it truly is it's 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 a body of learning it's a body of of work that is separate from what you do that is separate from what your vocation is, how you earn. It is your expression of light and life. And I and I really r- resonated with that because I think I spend more time working on myself than I do working on anything else. And I always kind of judge myself in some ways because I was like, <laughs> why am I working so much on myself? Why is this... Is- and when I hear things like your perspectives it actually gives me a lot of solace knowing that oh wow okay like regardless of what I do in this world like my soul was here to to
1: expand and grow and ascend. I think whoever invented the word selfish just needed a wounded word to understand a distortion of love. And to me, we need to be the centerpiece of our own lives. When people, and I've never met anyone, I don't think, who was taught in their early lives that learning to connect to self, learning to value self, learning to claim the emerging self, moving into more and more of our sacred potential throughout our lives is the main purpose of our lives. Does that seem selfish? Well, only if you don't consider That the more I invest in myself, the more self I have to bring to my relationship with you. Yeah. And so if I didn't fill this and I just showed up to you and I'm supposed to put all the focus on you, there's a shell of me versus a filled depth of me that I can bring to this beautiful, authentic connection. And the more of me I learn to negotiate, nurture and love, the more of you. I can hold a space for negotiating. Then we can learn and inspire each other on the journey. It's it's a beautiful thing. There's nothing selfish about it if we're doing it as a starting place.
0: Yeah, and that's the problem. We're not doing it as a starting place.
1: The world has not been encouraged in this way.
0: Oh, it hasn't. and And I think that's the... Like we we run into a lot of disharmony with others that may not be choosing to go inward or having this path and it creates these different constructs and belief systems and and shifts. And so I guess I would love to maybe even unpack the journey for yourself because I I love your, you know, we we talked a lot about the inner child on on the first podcast that you brought on, but like, I, I just feel like you've got such a beautiful perspective of almost like active nourishment, like adult nourishment, like really going back to the idea of calming your yourself so that you can emerge. Like what does healing actually, or not healing, but emerging involve and look like in your own lived experience?
1: So there are about 50 things that I'd like to share. (laughs) I'm going to start out with what you said right before this question, where you said, We run into conflicts with people who don't embrace an inner journey, etc. That could have been me prior to learning that my journey early on was a compensation for my wounding. What do I mean by wounding? My soul set up certain challenges. One of those being having a father who lived in our house for 13 years who never said a single word to me, not one conversation. And that left me with so much confusion and self-doubt. And so wounds like that we carry. And I compensated. I wanted to go out and achieve and prove myself. And I was so busy, outer focus, trying to figure out how to get someone to see me, to like me, to validate me. And I achieved really amazing things in the world. As an example, rather than leaving it conceptual, I got to perform over 60 leading roles in operas and Broadway shows all over the world. That's a lot of applause and validation. And I was still empty. That's why this is called Bright Lights, Big Empty. Because I had to finally wake up and go, wait a minute. No achievement is ever going to erase the fact that I am filled with insecurity and self-doubt. And then when I went out and sought all the teachers that I did, all of them said inner journey, inner journey, inner journey. Well, that's the last place I wanted to look because that's where I held all my fear, shame and judgment. It was stored in there. And so I had put on a well-developed, well-practiced mask that I wanted to present But I wasn't connected to me. I didn't have self-value. I wasn't at peace with me. And so the more I got validation and it didn't work, the bigger I wanted the validation to become. Yeah. Well, I got a chance to ride that out to where I was singing with celebrities and dining with royalty and even got to share the stage with two Supreme Court justices. And it was like. How big do you think the validation's going to get before you figure this out? And so when I finally started to look inward and got help and guidance to do that, everything began to change. Yeah. I began to understand, wait a minute, my father, sole challenge in the curriculum. If I had gotten a mediocre level of nurturing, I might have settled for that and didn't even really think about it much. And I just moved on in life at that level. But because it was so absent and it was so needed, it put my focus on that challenge in such a huge way that I then spent my adult years identifying what had been missing and what I actually needed. And then I learned that I could provide for myself those levels of nurturing, then I realized every single person needs to do that. Even if I'd had the most nurturing, educated in nurturing parents on the planet, they would eventually say, what do you think of you? How do you feel about what you're doing? We love you, but how you feel about you is the bottom line. Yeah. And so you need to always become your own nurturer as an adult fully responsible for that. And then you create mutually valuing relationships. So anyway, there's a few more seeds. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you said so
0: much in there around just, I think one of the things that I I find in my own journey is this journey of self-love, this learning, this learning to nurture myself, this learning to be the parent I needed is probably the greatest expression of love that exists on the planet. It's the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to not put expectations on others. It's the hardest thing to to even become aware that you're putting expectations of unmet needs on others. It's triggering. It's it's at least for myself like it is last 3 or 4 years of me learning to love myself has looked very different than I thought it would look like like i thought self care and self love was the massages and taking the vacations and stepping away from work and making time for fun and and what it really meant was creating the space for me to feel all of the feelings i didn't want to feel it meant creating the space to and being patient with myself on the journey and learning to to communicate with myself in a way that I wasn't communicating with anyone else <laughs> and it was hard and and so as you're as you're sharing your journey it's it's actually just bringing up a lot of gratitude for myself for choosing that and just the honoring and recognition that it's not easy to love yourself it's not easy
1: it's, i wish it were easier i mean how would you make it easier i guess i would say that it's not that it's hard it's that it's not modeled and it's not practiced. And so it's foreign. Whereas we are in the last years, decades in a whole new conversation that's evolving. And we are having so many more people than ever who are seeking new approaches, more focus on no matter what I did in my old approach, it's not working just like me with the performing and to begin to nurture, to begin to show up every gesture you make to show up for self says I matter. Now you might not start out logically thinking that, but when you learn how to show up for self, how to allot some time for self, how to go in and begin to get to know what am I feeling right now in this moment? That is getting in touch with sacred parts of self that most people never do. People are so afraid of their feelings because of those early experiences, such as me with my dad feeling invalidated, invisible, unworthy, ashamed, simply as me personalizing that he wasn't focusing on me at all. Whereas I found out in my later years he wasn't trying to ignore me. Yeah. He was just clueless because he didn't have a father growing up and he had no idea what it looked like. Yeah, And so I personalized it and the wounding continued until I learned to show up to become the nurturing authority in my own life.
0: That's so powerful. And I think that's worth restating in a lot of ways. Like our parents did their best. And yes, there's some bad apples out there that may have malicious intent, but even them, like they, they were modeled really shitty examples.
1: Or hurt or acted out on or whatever it all is. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think that that level of knowing and awareness, even just the awareness of that is healing. It's a part of the journey and it's a part of, of learning to, to heal. Like I, I know certainly for myself, like me I love my family and, you know, like I, there was like, I grew up with my grandma that had, you know, a lot of old cultural, like kind of ideas of, of love. And, and then I played tennis growing up and, you know, I was such a competitive athlete and I put a lot of conditions around my self-worth and how I was allowed to, how I was allowing myself to be loved, not anything else. It was my own sense of self like if i lost on the court i was just the worst and then i would bury myself in practice and go harder and harder and harder and harder and harder in fact i was talking to you about this before we started recording like i recently started going back to some of those tennis memories and i can't even step on the tennis court right now without getting angry without recapitulating a lot of that the anger at myself for not being good enough which was a learned response, which are things I picked up from either people in my life or, or other models or, you know, or the environment or what I was attaching to my sense of self and what I allowed myself to experience. I mean, there's so many things that we have to untangle. And so how do you begin, I guess, beginning the journey of
1: untangling, how do you know what's truth and what is not? <laughs> you ask very big questions. I'm going to start with the first piece and what you shared, and hopefully by the time I do that, I'll remember this piece about truth. (laughs) Great. So the anger. I can't step out on the tennis court without anger coming up. So important for people to understand that when we are little and we have initial feelings that we don't actually process, express, and release, because there was no safe space to do that we bury them, they stay in the body. They store themselves energetically in the tissues, in the cells of our body. So it's just like if I had a jar and I filled it up in 1920, and a century later, if that jar had been sealed, it would still be in the jar. Just because I bring the jar into a different context of 2020, doesn't mean that what was in there is not still in there. It is. So you go back to the same trigger of going to the tennis court and the anger that you built up over all the years because of your relationship to tennis, not about tennis. It's the relationship you established to it based on what you decided it had to be, like my performing world, your tennis world. You decided it had the power to determine something when you didn't win a match, then it just actually affirmed a part of you already doubted your worth and value. It didn't actually affirm that, but to you it did. That was your personal truth. You'd already decided it based on mommy, daddy, don't know how to love me fully as I am fully. And so I have unlovable parts of me. And so I'm unworthy unless I'm fully lovable to them is how the child starts out. So you go to the tennis court and your old relationship to it and the unresolved, unexpressed anger is still in there. So it's just getting triggered. It's like taking the scab off a a wound and it's like still, well, yeah, of course it is because you've never gone in to nurture and put salve on it. And let's get beyond the metaphor. You've never gone in to show the child how to feel feelings, how to admit I felt angry and sad and confused and I can't just observe it. I've got to feel it and then express it and release it. Well, we don't want to express it at other people and act it out, but I teach my clients how to get their feelings out. So you literally empty the pool and you heal the wound that had been there and now you have an adult nurturing alternative That doesn't relate to tennis in the same way. So on that same metaphor, as an example, I just started doing competitive tennis, interesting, this year. And before I went to my first match, I sat down with my inner child and I said, let me just be clear. If you win this match, you'll have an experience, but it means nothing about your worth and value. It's just... Playing tennis, if you win, it does not validate your worth. If you lose, it means nothing about your worth and value. It has no power that you don't give it. And so I went and played. And because I was totally new at competing, my body was going through all kinds of, I can't remember anything. Have I taken any lessons? And so I had a good time. I said, that's my goal. We're going to have an experience that we determine. We're going to go on that tennis court and go, I'm so grateful that I'm out here playing tennis. I'm so grateful that I have the health, the capacity, and the venue to come here and play. And that's going to be my centerpiece here. And if any of that other stuff tries to come in, I've been clear. Everybody listening in there? I had a great time. Of course, I didn't win the match my very first one. But even if I had, it would mean no different. But my relationship to myself and the fact that I was nurturing and I gave myself clear guidance that I wish I had gotten early on, I was able to stay free and I had a blast. That was the experience I gave myself. That wouldn't have been me way back when before I learned how to do all this. Well, what's
0: fascinating, and I'm curious to hear your perspectives because it sounds like there's that unexpressed feeling that's stored in the body, right? So there's one line of work and healing that's about releasing that and allowing a safe safe way for that to come out. And then the second is actually that sort of nurturing, the gratitude. It's actually repatterning the the response to like so if i had a response as a child on the tennis court of just having this negative sort of anger in my head and this loop it's allowing the feeling to actually release but then on the other end it's about shifting the consciously actually practicing gratitude it's consciously replacing those responses with something that's more nurturing and more compassionate and more empowering and and it's the is that is that am I kind of looking at the healing journey in a in a beautiful way?
1: Well, it's a kind of excuse me for this. It's a little tricky and potentially dangerous for people to go. I should just feel gratitude. So I'm going to replace this part of me that feels confused, scared and angry with gratitude. It's like saying to that child, nope. You don't have the right to feel that way. You're supposed to feel this other way. So the intention is gorgeous. The intention to nurture, the intention to show up. Notice when I showed up to my child, I didn't say you should feel a certain way. I said, let me create a context so that this tennis match is not going to determine me. I'm going to determine me. And I'm going to feel however I feel. When I miss a shot, I might feel frustrated. No problem. I'm going to feel it and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to feel it and I'm going to let it go. Well, all that accumulated stuff can't just be let go. It's like the energy in the jar. I've got to open up the jar and I've got to empty out little by little the toxic charged energy that's in there. And at the same time, I can show up and nurture this child saying, Of course you have a learning curve. Of course you have wounds. Of course you have curriculum to work on. You're lovable. You were lovable in first grade. You were lovable in 10th grade. You were lovable in 132nd grade. And so it doesn't matter where you are in the journey. Be lovable with something to work on. And then I would might say, name three people you already adore. Three people you love so much already. Do you think they don't have wounds and learning curves and have the same journey of claiming and learning to deal with their charged feelings? But you already love them. You're not loving yourself the way you would love them. So instead of the golden rule, which says do unto others as you would have them do unto you, I flip it and I call it the nedlog rule do unto myself as i would treat others let me be just as compassionate with me as i would be for these other people i already care about that is a bigger ask if you want my opinion about it
0: yeah absolutely so what you talked a lot about energy release what are tools that you personally either deploy with clients or or have found to have a very effective sort of path to releasing some of that energy?
1: So, I'm more than happy to share some tools, but because the movement of energy and the movement of emotional energy is quite powerful, If somebody doesn't build it a step at a time and doesn't understand how to stay relaxed and actually release the energy, they can hype it up in the body and it just stirs it up and you feel worse. You can even in trying to release emotional energy, give yourself a headache in about five seconds. If you just go "Ah," and you're gripped and you hold the energy and it slams against the top of the head, it will give you a headache. But what I do, one step at a time, is I first teach people to connect to their bodies with just breath. Because once you can connect all the way into your lower body with a proactive breath, which almost no one teaches, particularly the the out breath, where you go, (sighs) Notice how open and relaxed my throat and my mouth and my tongue, everybody goes, because they are scared to open up the jar because of what's in the jar. So I teach people how to feel safe opening with just breath. Breathe into the lower belly, breathe out. And then I ask the adult reality question. Any threat to you whatsoever? Are any ships sinking in the harbor because you opened the upper part of your body or the jar? (sighs) Learn to do that calmly. Then we're going to add sound and learn how to make nurturing sound. Ah. And everybody's like, what do you mean I'm going to be making sound? All, it, it's it's a big deal to the child inside because we spent so much time gripping and holding and then presenting the mask. And so to move energy has to be done a step at a time, but eventually we add feelings and expressing feelings. And let me give you some great news. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've taught thousands of people around the world. When someone does it through this approach that I teach, not one person, not one in 25 years has ever said, I feel unsafe with what we're doing. Not one. And so it has to be done in a very nurturing way with some guidance and tools, but ultimately we, we've got to get it out. That's so important.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate the, the distinction between the bound energy in the body and the step-by-step process and the reverence that you have for that process, which, which is a whole step in the journey itself. And then there's the the nurturing and the and the, and the conversations with self and and it's so almost like parenting. This is yep. almost like an integration of the release of the energy. It's like you release the energy and then this is the integration, the reparenting.
1: You fill with the new experience. You see, it's whatever we experience that we trust the most. So we trust those early experiences, and even if mommy and daddy came in and said oh, blah, 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 but it didn't match the experience we're having. We don't trust what they're saying. We trust the experience. So we as adult nurturers of ourselves have to come in and offer clear perspectives that are personal truths. So for instance, once I learned that my dad wasn't trying to ignore me. He just didn't have any clue what nurturing meant, so he just stayed quiet in his own comfort zone. Well, when I saw, when I could see that, I could bring that truth to my child and say, little one, it wasn't an affirmation that you were unlovable. Not only am I finding all these things I love and value about who we were at those ages, dad also was not trying to affirm this and all these experiences. And then when I show up and I actually value him more and more to begin with, let me tell you, he called me on it. One day I showed up after I had, I, th- I think it it might've been, oh, I know what it was, but it was a particular success thing that happened and I was going to be able to perform at Carnegie Hall I came into my child and I'm like, I love you. And he goes, that is a load of crap. And I was like, what? And he goes, you love me when things are going well, when you're getting validation, but you aren't holding a space for. And he may not have said these exact words. You're not holding a space for my fear and my vulnerability and my insecurity. Well, this is way back when I first started my journey. But. I loved that he was that honest with me. And so I made adjustments little by little, percentage by percentage, having patience, like you said earlier, with yourself. You learn how. But we have such immediate gratification expectations, particularly, well, maybe all over the world at this point, but I was going to say, particularly in the United States, because we've been so spoiled with immediate gratification quite often. And so, we haven't really taken the time to invest and build and layer and claim piece by piece by piece it just makes the journey more meaningful so man
0: i appreciate <laughs> just, i'm so appreciating you like just as a as a mm-hmm. soul it's actually making me really love my dad a lot like he's such a loving dad and I think uh I've really worked a lot on my relationship with him over the last few years and recently I've finally kind of broke into that sort of space of realizing how much he truly loves me and 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 how that's changing my relationship with him and and how that's inspiring my relationship with everyone else in in my life. So there's this trickle trickle down sort of impact, the ripple of healing when you when you heal one relationship in your life it's like it just starts to heal so many different things or it starts to shift the energy that that almost everything and that's kind of going back to the original idea like your soul's not here to achieve it's here to expand and grow and do all these directions and what a curric, like even if we followed that curriculum in our lives if we actually followed through on releasing the blockages that are stopping our souls from truly following through on their unique paths like what a what a magnificent life to have lived. Like it's, I mean, I, I really truly feel like doing the inner work is the greatest
1: purpose one can have. Claiming self, learning to value self, because the way I say it is self is the grand prize that we're all seeking. And we just don't know it. But when you have that sense of self value and self trust and self celebration, every facet of your life, is enhanced and you're not dependent on those situations and winning the tennis match and getting the performance job in order to have an artificial replacement for self. And so to go into the tennis match and go, it has no power over you little one, none. It's not going to determine you or undetermine you. It doesn't have that power. And that is such a lovely, peaceful place to know and trust experientially and by the way i love being able to share the journey started with my soul curriculum with my dad in one way and then by the end of the book i reveal what happens with us and because of my claiming self and having a different way to approach him the things that happen with him and me so it's it's a really cool full circle
0: that well, that's what I, I I appreciate so much about the book. Actually, it's a vulnerable recount into your own journey, and that to me is—it's just this is the most inspiring work for me. I'll always be inspired by those that choose to go inward and have and choose to to have conversations with themselves in in ways that are unconventional. I, I I'm just inspired to be honest. Like it's just—it's just the most. uh it's the reminder that we all have incredible stories to tell, actually. Like there's so many people that will die with their stories left untold because they feel like they don't have stories worth telling. And when I think about my journey, when I think about your journey, when I think about all of the things that like that, that, that true idea that, you know, the greatest book in the world is the one in your soul. And that's the journey inward. It's It actually just reminds me that, you know, we all have these incredible stories that we've lived through and doing the work to uncover them is the greatest gift we can give each other.
1: Well, what I love in being able to share my journey in this book is that it's every person's journey. It doesn't matter that I happen to go and get a world education and have all those big opportunities. That is not what was meaningful about my life connecting to self and trusting self. When I went and performed at Carnegie Hall in a star-studded event that had so many really, really famous people, and I watched them struggle with their own insecurity and self-doubt, it really hammered it home for me that Everybody's in the same boat. We don't have to have grand stories in order for them to be meaningful stories. Just saying to another person, I know what it is to feel sad. I know what it is to feel scared. I know what it is to feel angry. You're safe to feel that and share that. Those are meaningful experiences. That is more important than all the grandiosity in the world. Truly. Yeah,
0: and that's the, and that's what again. I'm just so grateful for you, Ron. Like I'm, anyone listening, after you listen to this episode, (laughs) also go back and listen to the first episode that Ron and I did together. I think it was like episode 49. We're at 230 now, or something like that. Like, just so you can hear the journey itself, like, and how much can, how much shift, how much can shift in such a short period of time when we choose to go inward and when we choose to love ourselves and when we choose to embark on that journey. And
1: it's so cool to have gotten to watch the journey you've taken in the last year, because the deal is this, you have lots of natural gifts. You have looks and intelligence and drive and creativity, and you've created amazing things with your companies, et cetera. But oh my God, to watch you interrupt and go inward and really start to deepen and find different peace, the level of intimacy that I feel when I'm with you, priceless.
0: Mm, thank you, brother. That's, that's, that means a lot to hear. And it's, um, it's, it's, I'm still a work in progress. <laughs>
1: It always is. It always is. <laughs> but it's not the same yeah. as, oh my God, there's so much to work on. Why should I even start? No, we're always a work in progress. But when you're in first grade, you perceive life a certain way because you put in the efforts by the time you're in high school, you perceive life so differently. That doesn't mean you're at the end of your journey, but you process differently and more effectively and When you add that to the heart, it just becomes less scary, less threatening, less difficult, less fraught with fight, struggle and resistance. And it just becomes more meaningful. And then you feel safer and safer to share it with other people and not be alone like I was, even though I was out doing all those things. I separated myself and didn't allow myself to be known Mostly because I didn't know myself. But once I started to, and then I have the most beautiful, intimate connections with so many amazing people day to day to day in my life, that's what makes it rich. Yeah. I mean,
0: you've certainly inspired me to go back into my tennis days. I was resisting that one for a while, and it kind of showed up in a process I was in a few days ago, just kind of looking at stuff and unpacking my life, you know, like I know you're big on life reviews and I was going back in mine and um, it's, it's something that showed up and you've just inspired me to actually hold space for that, for that young man to, to have the processes he needs to have.
1: That is so what I'm hoping will happen from this book yeah, is that by people reading my journey, which is not about my journey, but I'm happy to share it. It took a lot of courage, but I'm happy now to share all of it because it reveals a map and a set of tools for every person. So cool to get to touch lives in this way. Yeah,
0: I'm so excited. So the book, where is it available? How can people get their hands on it?
1: Uh, We'll make all the links available in the show notes, but please, Ron. The simplest way is just to go to Amazon.com. It's just the simplest way. And you'll have it in a couple of days and, or, you know, whatever version you decide to do. I also am releasing an audible version. If you're someone who doesn't like to read, but you like to listen, I went in and did three days of recording and, oh my God, talk about doing a life review. I said out loud my entire journey, we had to stop at least 10 times because I was weeping. I was so moved by various moments and remembering them again. So anyway, there's that version as well.
0: Yeah, and and so the officially the book is going to be available April twelfth, correct? April twelfth. Yep. All right, exciting. Well, I cannot wait yeah. to. Can't wait for anyone listening to pick up the book and read it. I'm I'm going through uh, an early copy of it right now, and it it really is just a drop in the heart. I mean, I'm I'm so grateful that. I got a chance to get an early peek at it. I'm selfishly indulging. Ron, I I, I love you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for being exactly as you are. I have one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been, and everywhere you're going, how
1: do you stay grounded? Learning how to stay in the moment you're in, feeling what you're feeling, having an intimate relationship with this moment. And when those moments become challenging, having tools like the breath, releasing any frustrated feeling that just comes up like a big dog that needs to release in a simple moment, various tools and knowing that I have those tools gives me such a peace that I can negotiate anything. But for me, it's not tilting forward out of myself to, well, when that happens, then I'll. No, that I lived that way out of myself for so long. It's literally just going, man, I love this. I love this. I love this. Whatever I'm in. And it doesn't mean love as in some sentimental attachment to every single thing. It means I'm going to show up. And connect with and learn with and use it to have a meaningful experience. And living like that day to day to day, I have stripped down my life to my priorities, the things that really matter to me. And I just basically give it to myself every single day. And therefore, I love my life. Mm. And I know that my clients feel the same. Mm. about their lives
0: Mm. well i uh certainly feel your open heart in this moment Mm. and it is fully felt and appreciated um but everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded (laughs) i'm your host raj this is your old friend ron but actually no old friend old friend ron and from us stay grounded (laughs) we'll chat soon (laughs)